First and now is your official BC Lions podcast, the playoffs. They're here, baby. Matt Baker alongside Nick Kowalski. And uh, we took a bye week ourselves last week, but that's fine because we got a massive, massive buffet, you will. All things Western semifinal here. Lions and Stampeders. Pardon my language. I live for this shit. Oh. (laughs) See, I'm fired up. I told (laughs) you. It's the best. We are just saying that today is a sports equinox, too. We were recording this on the Monday. So you got NBA, MLB, NHL, uh, NFL. Uh, CFL should be included in that. Absolutely. I don't know yeah. if I'd be ever... I bet it's been done before, on like a Saturday or Sunday, oh, Sunday yeah. of the playoffs. I guarantee it. Yeah. Th- this upcoming weekend, probably, actually. World Series happening, yeah. Yeah, the real sports equinox. But yeah, it's it's exciting stuff this week. Uh, it's, it's I the suppose rematch. the World it's, Series could be over by Saturday. But yeah, you, you, could get, be. What, you get what we're saying. Yeah, we'll see. But it's it's such an exciting week. We're going to BC Place tomorrow for practice for the rest of the week. So that yeah. just feels like you're, you're kind of under the big lights now. And it's it's such a good time. And that's what makes it feel even uh, a step higher is, yeah, we're inside BC Place pretty much for the week. Recording this on the Monday. Uh, Tuesday to Friday, be down there. Uh, BC Lions on tap for those in the downtown area broadcasting from the Shark Club on Thursday night. Uh, Dwayne Vano, our president, will join us that night. Yeah, note the programming note. Uh, we're going trick-or-treating Tuesday. Well, someone's going to a Canuck game. Someone else here is going <laughs> trick-or-treating. My Preds are in town. Yeah, we will talk uh, hockey in just a minute. Uh, but um, yeah, I love this. And you know what? Uh, being out there on the field today at practice, again, Shorter workday, uh, about 45 minutes, a lot of special teams work, a little bit of O&D walkthrough, kind of a glorified walkthrough, but you sense being around this team, Nick, that the f- switch has been flipped. Uh, doesn't matter that they lost anymore in, in week 20, uh, 41-16 to the same Stampeders team. Uh, this Everyone here collectively knows it's a new season. We're all 0-0 zero and zero now. I think that's what you have to take away from that week 20 game back yeah. uh, back 10 days ago now, which, yeah, it does feel like a long time ago. But um, ultimately, uh, at the time, it, it still meant something. But, I mean, realistically, Winnipeg just rolled over Edmonton the very next day. So it's not like... Yeah, not like we, really... I don't think we were sitting here um, thinking that we were going to win out and get yeah. all that help. Like if you, you want to be realistic, uh, yeah, yeah. Winnipeg dropping two is not really ever in the cards. So... Uh, obviously coach Rick Campbell made the decision to tell VA, like you're, you're going to be the playoff hero. You're not going to be the week 20 right. m- meaningless game hero. Right. And the game that we were already down. And at the same time, Dane Evans is proven to be totally capable something we already knew before this season. So, mm-hmm. um, unfortunate result, obviously, but I mean, Vernon Adams is just fine. He's coming off an MOP season, you know, 5,000 total yards this season. Probably would have hit 6,000 if he played the full three games that he uh, missed with that, with that knee injury. Easily. So, yeah. I mean, you got to sit back and look at the bigger picture and say, like, how lucky we are to have Vernon healthy and have him ready for playoffs and have him with all these weapons and ready for the real moment this Saturday. Yeah, and Vernon, I think, even said uh, in his last uh, media scrum prior to that game, the walkthrough here is, yeah, we're preparing as if we're playing on November the 4th. I mean, if, if something does happen, great. But, um, yeah, ultimately, and <laughs> losing that game to the Bombers here on October the 6th uh, pretty much sealed it, right? I mean, uh, the scenarios were set in front. But, I, you know, I love how this team responded in Hamilton the next week, trading punches with the Ticats. And um, I don't know what else you can say about losing to Calgary in the final game there other than the Stampeders were desperate 
And ultimately, that was that that ultimately got them in, right? Because they go out and lose their last game, and yeah, well, maybe or they still have ended up in with Saskatchewan ended up six and twelve too. So yeah, that got them in, right? The Riders dropping yeah. their last seven games this year and last year, yeah, did, did that to them. So again, right. BC Lions fans, the Riders went zero and fourteen post Labor Day these last two years, so it could be worse than losing one meaningless game to the Calgary Stampeders. And I'm. I, and I saw a crazy stat about the Ottawa Red Blacks. They still have not beaten an East opponent at home since the division final in 2018. There's a lot of weird stats. And going that was around. when Coach Rick was there leading the charge. Yeah, right? there's a lot of weird, like Montreal going 0 and 7 versus Winnipeg, versus BC, the and Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a lot of weird things. So believe me, it could be worse. Could be, be worse. Be happy you have one of, if not the best quarterback in the CFL heading into this postseason. And how many, you know, uh, th- this club has not hosted two straight years of playoff games since 2011 and 2012, right? So that be was, there. Yeah, that was when Wally and Mike Benavides were the crossover head coaches, right? Uh, Wally, his first coaching retirement after that 2011 Grey Cup. So, yeah, like we said, uh, it's a buffet, it's a smorgasbord. Uh, there's all kinds of great things happening on game day that we'll promote here. Um, we're going to go and we got a beefy episode today. We're going to talk to Farhan Lalji from TSN. Um, he'll be on the sidelines, get his thoughts on this matchup. Mark Steven, a uh, friend of the program. We've had him uh, as recently as, I think, late last season. Uh, voice of the Calgary Stampeders on CHQR Calgary. Uh, longtime broadcaster. One of the great uh, people of the CFL media. We'll stop by here and get a Calgary perspective, but we want to first hit on uh, an eventful weekend uh, for well, for all of us. Well, let's talk about you first. Uh, I seen your Instagram story. You're you're dressing up as a crayon at a Halloween party, and you won something. <laughs> well, I actually I, I won as a purple crayon. That that is a that is a fact. But and I did win a prize actually for my costume, which was a which was fun. But yeah, I did I did want to go to the Canucks game you guys went to. I was trying my best to, but yes. my alternative option was to go for Halloween. And I'm, I'm not the biggest Halloween guy, to be honest. But I got invited to a, to an event, so I mustered up a costume when purchased it. Actually, um, yeah, and I won fifty bucks for it, so it paid for the costume. There but you go. There was like there was an actual contest where like the prize is a hundred dollars, but you had to like go on stage and like show it off, kind of thing. I think a Frankenstein won that one, but and then I just got I just got randomly like picked out of the crowd and like. Yeah. And this was this was at a well, where was this? It was at like a little studio in Mount Pleasant, really cool area. Cool. Uh, a friend of a friend was running the event, so um, happy to support that. And it, it was yeah, it was a fun night. But your 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 weekend and your night on Friday looked, yeah. looked way better than mine. I'll say that. Well, I can't take credit for all of it because um, I kind of fell into. Well, I, I didn't fall into it. I'll, I'll explain. So uh, Vernon Adams Jr., uh, big hockey fan. He he became one in Montreal. And he went to some Habs games and did a big jersey exchange with Shea Weber. So um, Dwayne Venu, our president, uh, arranged uh, for for a few of us to go there Friday night playing St. Louis. And Vernon, you know, being uh, being the thoughtful guy that he is, decided to invite the entire O line. Every offensive lineman was there, whether it was injured list, practice roster, active, everyone. And, you know, good little team bonding experience. So I guess along the way, I sort of thought, well, let, let's try and get something out of this. So pull some strings, reach out to the Canucks. Uh, excellent job. Uh, thanks to Jad and Craig McEwen and 
John and everyone involved uh, in the Canucks social media and game ops for the hospitality. So arranged for a second uh, period scoreboard shot, which was a lot of fun. I tried to hide from that shot, but one of my other buddies at the game texted me saying I was on the big screen. So, okay. Part screen. of the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, who, who, would, uh, who would think otherwise, right? Just look at me. <laughs> um, not quite, but you get the picture. So, and then uh, in have to throw Kate Pedersen into the mix too. Uh, Canucks web and arena host, uh, formerly of the CFL's content team, as well as the Toronto Argos for helping uh, make this happen. They asked at one point, do oh, you think Vernon would come do the crowd siren? You know, they do that to pump the crowd up, crowd up. they wind the thing, and and yeah, sure. So Vernon did it, and we arranged a jersey swap with Kirk McLean. It, it was just a very cool uh, thing to be a part of, and I have to thank the Canucks again for all the great hospitality. It was it, fun. It looked like a lot of fun, and unsurprisingly, that was, those videos was popped off on social media a, yeah. lot, a lot of good comments about the alliance and the canucks working together right which is always good to see in in the same sports town city should you're be in. doing it more all yeah. of us oh yeah. yeah but yeah vernon yeah vernon vernon gave that thing a good go people are saying to take it easy on that throwing shoulder but uh you know vernon he'll be fine but it was yeah that was that was a really cool video of, of vernon with the, the siren that you got i want to say it was up to pretty much i think i checked the uh, on the sunday it was over twenty five thousand views on instagram so Good atmosphere there too, like a five nothing win too, oh, like just perfect. Like, right? you yeah, got, you got Chris Chris Schluger with the Quinn Hughes jersey there. I think I think you influenced that too, right? Yeah, he was uh, he was all in. He was asking me advice: what jersey should I get? Vernon, it's not showing in this picture, but he, I think he had it over his shoulder uh, on the siren. Yeah, he had. Uh, we're watching it here. He's got himself in a, an Elias Pettersson jersey. So not bad at all. Yeah, very cool. One of the coolest experiences I've I've had. Uh, in this business with this team. So, and yeah, it was a great hockey game too. Five, nothing and shorthanded goals. And it was great to see. Yeah. And we have to mention, um, it is a big weekend coming up. Our friends, our roommates, the, the Vancouver Whitecaps hosting LAFC in game two of their series. That's winner go home for them as well. Uh, they dropped the first one of the best of three. So a triple header of Vancouver sports going on uh, in downtown, and uh, l let's hope we all win. The Canucks playing Dallas at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Yeah, sweep is definitely in the cards. All right, you heard it. F you heard. You guaranteed it. The well, I said on. in the cards. In the cards is right. I could see it. You know, hey, Canucks I, think, are, I think the old me would guarantee it, no problem. Canucks <laughs> are playing well. Whitecaps are going to have a great crowd, too, so um, they're going to defend their home turf well and force a, a third game back in L.A., so... Yeah, exciting times. You mentioned at Sports Equinox, well, locally alone, there's a lot to be um, excited about. Now, uh, as far as this Lions and Stampeders matchup uh, goes, uh, we're going to talk to Farhan here in just a few minutes, but um, two out of three in the regular season. Again, we, we kind of hit on it uh, in our last episode when we were teeing up the Week 20 game. Lions go in week one, CFL's opener, get it done 25-15, uh, convincing win at home in August, a nice uh, recovery from the loss in Winnipeg, which was the week prior. And uh, yeah, we have to acknowledge it uh, didn't necessarily go the Lions' way against a desperate Stampeders squad. I think you throw the records out here, Nick. I know Calgary struggled for most of the year. Calgary's uh, only 6-12 and in the regular season, but still have some guys uh, on both sides of the ball that the Lions will have to key in on. Yeah, a lot of 
interesting results too this year when you look back to that season opener on on June 8th where it was a 2015 or 25-15 Lions win but Kadeem Carey and Peyton Logan both played that game but they combined for 10 rushes uh Jake Mayer only throws for 166 yards and the defense ultimately shuts them down pretty much the entire game right the Stampeders also didn't record a sack in that game and that's right so that's a Big kudos to the offensive line if they can get back to that type of play. And then Mizell goes for 81 yards, over six point, over six yards of carry in that game. So that's going to be a big key. And then I think another big X factor in this in this game on Saturday that was an X factor in that season opener is Dominique Grimes. You remember Vernon? And um, Vernon starts 10 for 10 on that opening drive against Calgary in week one and hits Rhymes for a touchdown. Rhymes scores twice in the first half. And if Rhymes can be that... If Rams can get a hundred yards and two scores, you gotta like the Lions chances in, in on Saturday, right? And that's that's a potential he has, and you just gotta be able to unlock him that way. Yeah, this is big for VA. Uh, only his second playoff start. Uh, the only other one was a 2019 Eastern semifinal loss to Edmonton of all teams. Remember that year where uh, the Elks or the Eskimos or they were at the time crossed over and got a pretty big upset. So that just get that just there goes to show you anything can happen come playoff time. But uh, for me, like for me, Nick, this is all about VA. Uh, the Lions prevail in this game. We're going to be talking a lot about how well Vernon performed. Hundred percent, and I would say it's encouraging that in those two wins over Calgary that he did perform to upwards of his best abilities. Yep. Right, he had, that other game in August, he threw for four touchdowns. You remember Lucky caught his first one. Uh, Keon Hatcher went crazy in that game too, nine for one seventy and a touchdown. Yeah. And I think that's a that's another element of this game. Keon Hatcher didn't play in week twenty. Like the team was it was precautious. Yeah. Like if it was a playoff game, you assume Hatcher. Yeah, it was win. questionable going in, and they yeah. determined after warmups that he wouldn't start. And once once that happened, you figured, ah, there's no point here. So yeah, that's why the depth is key with McInnes and. But yeah, yeah, I'd expect uh, number four to be unleashed here pretty good. Yeah, it's not even the depth too, right? Like Keon's arguably be like he's the guy. He's like the best guy in this group. You could argue at times, right? One of been one of the best receivers in the CFL this year, and you're lucky that you have Alex Hollins and Dominique Grimes and and Juwan Katoy with a career high in yards too. McKinnis had a career high, so I mean we've we've said it all season. The options are a plenty in that receiving core, but. We'll also see like like Taquan Mizell getting first team reps so far too, right? By running back. So that's another interesting spot to look at. Uh, you talk about Calgary's run game, but BC's is going to be important too. Yeah, uh, Rick uh, was listening in uh, for those who subscribe to Sakaris and Price. Uh, Rick Campbell joining Sakaris and Price on their Monday podcast, and he confirmed it to them that uh, they're they're going to go with smoke this week, and and we shall see. And yeah, that's definitely an area that's big in this game. Um, I know Mizell had a great start to this season. He's been dealing with a rib injury the last month or so, but he um, he's a guy I think they like in the pass-blocking game as well, and I think that has shown through on film. So that's part of it. I know with Farhan and Mark Steven, we'll probably talk a lot about Micah Awe and Cam Judge and, and what they bring up front. Um, it's going to take a 12-man effort on both sides of the ball here to, to neutralize a lot of these areas. Yeah, and even uh, Smoke Mizell, just to tease this out there, he was one of the guys we sat down last week for our, our preliminary Arrow Up interviews. Uh-huh. And, and just talking with Smoke, we, we brought up the fact that, hey, like you're, he- you're, you're healthy now, and I know the playoffs are coming up. Like Just thoughts, of, thoughts about playing play a football and he was he was super excited he's someone that you know we talked about and we've we've uh documented this that he he missed a full couple of years of football right mm-hmm. with several injuries passport issues all of that right so 
Uh, now he's back playing a playoff game for, I think, the first time in, I think he said, over five years. So you don't think that he's excited wow. to play, and it's it's in front of the home crowd to boot too, right? So he's someone that motivation won't be lacking there. And he's going to, yeah, like you said, Cam Judge and Michael Alway, like it's, it's going to be no easy task, but... He's shown, he's shown in week one that he's capable of breaking through. Yeah, and that's what the playoffs are all about. Uh, you know, it's it's anyone's game. Anyone can step up. And, you know, look at last year, guys like Hatcher and Hollins, who were, we were talking about those guys being their first taste of action, right? So uh, really looking forward to seeing uh, what will happen here. Uh, this Lions defense, we'll talk about it. Uh, they know they have to be better. They know they have to get back to uh, – the dominance that they had in the first third, the first half of the season. And uh, for me, a lot of that starts with Matthew Betts, Sione Tuhema. We're not expecting him to play. He's appealing that one-game suspension. But we've talked about the guys in the interior, uh, the Woody Barons, the Josh Bankses, uh, the Thibaut Debayes, not necessarily showing up on the stat sheet, but contributing, making plays. And that's going to be important because stopping that Calgary run game, again, stop me if you heard this before, that's going to be a major piece uh, of the pie. Well, 100%. I think if you do get in, into the into the element that it is going to be BC loading up the box and daring Calgary to put the ball in Jake Mayer's hand and throw the ball, then suddenly you got you got a guy like Gary Peters in the corner for, we've said it all year, is probably the best defensive back in the entire CFL. And then on the other side with Jalen Edwards-Cooper's injury, Mike Jones has been filling these last couple of weeks. And I mean, if you, if you remember in 2019, Mike Jones busts onto the scene in Winnipeg during their playoff run, becomes kind of an unsung hero for the Bombers throughout their first Grey Cup there, um, sh- you know, shutting down Brandon Banks in, in the Grey Cup and all of that. And then last year, he had two picks in the, in the East semifinal for the Alouettes on, on yeah. Dane Evans. So Mikey J is someone who's definitely shown an ability to rise up when the, when the moment comes in the postseason. And uh, if if we do see BC loading up the box and taking away that round, like it's going to be a lot of the weight's going to be put on Peters and Jones and Marcus Sales and, and whoever else comes up in the defensive backfield, right? Yeah. And uh, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant aspect of it. And um, great storyline having these two teams meet again for the second time in as many years. The 17th all-time playoff meeting between BC and Calgary. Uh, Let's bring in Farhan Lalji from TSN. Is back on the sidelines after some uh, solid bullpen stints in the play-by-play booth. Farhan Lalji from TSN. We're going to talk about everything with him right here. And we've tracked him down in his uh, home studio down there at the uh, the Linden Washington compound. It is Farhan Lalji from TSN. He will be your sideline reporter this Saturday. Farhan, how are you? I am good. Bouncing back and forth between New West and Surrey and Linden on a daily basis. It's a, it's a good life. Yeah, and you'll Seattle be at B- yesterday for the Seahawks game. Yeah, the the first place Seattle Seahawks. Who would have thought, eh? Ahead of your San Francisco 49ers, Bakes. That's got to be tough to say. Well, they got to take advantage of their game in hand this week. But yes, uh, yeah, the Niners got their own issues, <laughs> sadly. But uh, still, about nine weeks to figure those out. Um, but it, it just serves as a reminder, though, it uh, it is a great time of year for football specifically, right? I mean, we were talking before we hit record about the Washington Huskies and USC. Uh, you go, he's pointing to the helmet for those watching this podcast. It's not a Winnipeg helmet. It's a Washington Huskies helmet. Note the purple mask. It's not blue. Way different. Yes. Um, but do you, you get geeked this time of year or what? 
Oh yeah. You know, and then there's that little hockey thing that sort of shows up in October as well that annoys us all. But yeah, it, truthfully, like it, it is the time, right? So for me, and you know, I'm a, I'm a big college football junkie, so I do get to cover that a little bit, but mainly for college football, for me, it's fandom. Whereas the CFL and the NFL is work, although I love my work, let's not, uh, let's not kid ourselves. So whether it's being on the, uh, you know, sidelines on a, on a NFL Sunday at a Seahawks game, or uh, even better at a CFL playoff game at BC place, it's, it's an absolutely great time of year. And, and you know, I, I was in Philly for the NFL game the other night when they had their Kelly Green uniforms. And I've got, you know, some other travel assignments coming up, so uh, including the college football playoffs. So it is absolutely the best time of the year. Well, uh, recording this on a Monday, oh, geez, barely two hours uh, since we saw you here at practice. Uh, mm. Just a walk through day zero officially. But uh, what did you learn? Anything stand out for you? Yeah, just seeing Justin McInnes getting a lot of the offensive reps ahead of Lucky Whitehead was interesting. And uh, not really a surprise that Smoke Mizell's back in the lineup. Hopefully a, a rejuvenated and refreshed and recharged Smoke that, um, you know, is probably shown in the games that he's had an opportunity that he's maybe got a bit more explosiveness than, let's say, a guy like Jaquan Hardy, who's thicker and physical and can bring something else to the table. But I think for an indoor game uh, against Calgary, I would probably uh, look at a guy like Smoke, and I think that makes sense, and just – uh, seeing what's happening defensively, right, with um, with Mike Jones, no surprise at corner, and, and Adrian Green, we knew he was going to get healthy this week, and uh, waiting to see it, Sione Tuhema if he's working and practicing. He didn't necessarily today get any uh, looks with the ones, but they've got to kind of figure out what they're doing on the appeal. Uh, so that was interesting. Saw a little bit of short yardage work. I won't give away any military secrets there, but uh, uh, that's good because this team has been really bad in that area, and they need help there. So hopefully they can get that resolved before the big game. But um, yeah, just playoff time, right? It's different. The guys feel different. There's a, a different level of energy. And this team's had good energy all year. But when it's playoffs and you know it could be the last one, you you care. Yeah, and uh, short yardage was a focus on one of the shorter practice days last week, the bye week. So, yeah, they know that's <laughs> – we saw it. Winnipeg a few weeks ago can win – literally could win or lose a game. So – well, Hopefully, I mean, you know, go, yeah. go back to the first Winnipeg game, which on the surface was a blowout, but there was a critical point in there where the Lions had a third and one to convert Yeah, uh, when the game was still manageable and they didn't get it. And if they get it, you know, and they can, you know, drive down and do something, then the, the I'm not saying Winnipeg would lose that game, but certainly the the margins could change a little bit, right? So it's it's something we take for granted. We see it in the U.S. with the, the tush push or the, the brotherly shove, and they don't do that up here. That's not legal, but... It, it's got to be a play you can rely on. And I think when the Lions go out on those third and shorts, they're holding their breath. As far as this matchup uh, on Saturday, Farhan, I, I've, I've been, I, I at least go look and I read the, the press clippings and all that. I'm sure the players don't, but I'm, I'm hearing sure people they say... Do. You probably post them. They probably post them. <laughs> but my question <laughs> is, I, I've seen talk about Calgary, possibly some people saying Calgary should be the favorite in this game based off how week 20 played out and based off, you know, all the recent results in these games. But like, do you still see BC as a considerable favorite in this game? Favorite, not considerable. Right. Um, so number one, like, look, uh, don't call me a homer because I've got my relationships with the Calgary coaching staff are every bit as close as they are with the BC Lions coaching staff. I uh, love Dave Dickinson, Brent Monson, Mark Killam, and many others on that staff. Um, Calgary's had one really good football game this season. They've had one really good football game this season that happened to be against BC Place. So who are they, right? Certainly they're trending in the right direction, but a trend is a bunch of games. They've had one good football game this season and they're getting healthy at the right time. And certainly that game will give them some confidence. 
But if you base it on a body of work over 18 games, the Lions should be the favorite. I'm not calling them the considerable favorite because I do think the Lions have kind of trended in a different direction from a team that was so explosive in the first half of the season to a team that, you know, offensively sometimes it it doesn't flow as smoothly or as consistently over 60 minutes. And defensively, this team hasn't been as good in the second half of the season. You know, when you look at their their statistical numbers and the biggest metrics, total defense and scoring defense and rushing and passing defense and uh, yards per play given up and and first down or sorry second down conversions and some of these things they're they're in the bottom third of the league since August 1st right so that's not just a little blip that's something the lions should be concerned with but in terms of the completeness of their team and what they've shown over the course of an entire season i'm sorry you cannot tell me that one game where the lions really only tried for one half um is all of a sudden going to tip the scales to say Calgary should be a favorite BC a favorite yep considerable note could Calgary come in here and take this you know three weeks ago we would have said absolutely not now you got to look at it and say sure they could when it comes to the game too there's some deja vu I'm feeling from last year where there's some talk about BC's run defense and Calgary obviously went for 200 plus on the run game in week 20 are they going to stick with that in your mind on Saturday I think they're going to have to right um it's the same storyline it was a year ago because a year ago, late in the season, these two teams played. Calgary ran all over BC. And I remember asking the questions, right, to Ryan Phillips at the same time of year that how are you guys going to stop the run because you haven't shown an ability to do it? And so they changed some things in their alignment and in their structure. Uh, you saw some of those looks again today. Um, and Calgary just decided not to run the football. I don't get it. But they just felt that what the Lions were showing defensively, they didn't want to beat their head up against the wall. And it was a one-score game for the most part. You know, you remember the Antonio Pipkin third down, chuck and duck and hope and pray, and it got answered, um, which kind of blew the game open a little bit. But it was a one-score game, and they just chose not to run the football and didn't really test BC. So I don't see that happening again. You know, you've got uh, Kadeem Carey, who's going to be healthy. Um, Their line is slowly getting healthier, and they're going to try to run the football. And whatever BC does structure-wise this time, I just don't see Dave Dickinson immediately getting away from it. He's going to force BC to physically defend the run, not just structurally defend the run, and prove that they can physically hold up in the run game against Kerry. And then, and they, I'm sure the Lions, like most teams in the league, would rather put the ball into Jake Mayer's hands. In that last game against BC, Jake should have thrown two pick sixes. Early in the year, those were going back for pick sixes. You know, the breaks, the football gods are, are, were kind of helping him this time around, and it evened out and it didn't work. But imagine Gary Peters' house calls that. We're having a different conversation, right? So um, I think BC will prioritize taking away the run and putting the game in Jake Mayer's hands like most teams have done, and, and then Calgary will have to see what they do with that. On the other side of that quarterback equation, uh, for me, if we're talking about the Lions, this Lions team prevailing in this game, we're going to be talking about Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, you talked to him again Monday, uh, Farhan. Uh, just your overall sense of uh, where VA is at and his body of work this whole season. Yeah, you know, VA, as much as VA talks about himself in that, look, I know for us to have success, I need to have success. And that's true with any team. Quarterback's the most important position in sports. That's just the way it goes. However, I think where VA has the most confidence is in his coaching staff and in his offensive skill positions around him, right? I think there really is a genuine confidence there that Jordan's going to put him in the right positions to have success, and his guys are going to make plays for him. And if he can stay focused that way and not really let 
the the part about being the quarterback and having it weigh him down, I think he's going to be just fine. Calgary was interesting in the last game in that they didn't bring pressure. It was three and four man pressure most of the game. Occasionally they would bring the Sam or the nickel, but for the most part it was it was four man pressure. And you know they they got into those underneath zones that Vernon likes to hit quickly. Um, so I'm curious to see how uh, Jordan adjusts and and what the game plan looks like because you know I, I do think that. Uh, you know, he and Brent Monson, it's going to be a good chess match between two really, really highly regarded coordinators. And and I think Vernon has the ability to to navigate and see the right things and make the right decisions. So if BC doesn't turn it over, I think they can still be explosive because there are some holes in that Calgary secondary that you can get to. What about this receiving core? We've talked about Justin McInnes and the impact uh, he could have in this game. And that was a guy they... They, they get him in free agency, and you went, okay, well, where is he going to slot in? Sure enough, injuries, he's played a role. I mean, who who are you looking at in that position group to step up here? Uh, Dom Rimes and, and uh, Keon Hatcher. So Hatcher, of course, didn't play in the game against Calgary. McInnes took his spot. McInnes was as productive um, in terms of overall catches, but he's not necessarily as explosive, right? Like sometimes Hatcher can turn some of those short gains into into bigger gains, so, you know, if Justin plays a little more than Lucky Whitehead, I think he can still be very productive uh, in some of those spots. But Hatcherback, but, you know, Dom Rimes the last three games has been a little quieter, right? Uh, had the one uh, catch, I think, against Hamilton for five yards, but it was a touchdown. I think Rimes needs to have a big game. Uh, it's his time and uh, and definitely Hatcher as well. When you're watching Calgary, you could you could be the smartest football mind around, or you could probably be watching your first CFL game and still notice that number four and number 57 on defense are everywhere around the field, and that's Mike Alway and Cam Judge. So, Mike, but when you're scheming up an offensive game plan, can you do stuff to av- avoid getting those players involved, or is that just more of a matter of VA being aware and the offensive line being aware of the, where those two are in the field at all times? Yeah, you have to be aware, absolutely. And Mike is not necessarily a big blitzer. Judge tends to to bring a little more pressure uh, from his looks. Micah just Micah trusts his instincts and just gets to the ball as fast as humanly possible. So I think the way to to deal with a guy like Micah Alway is to use his aggressiveness against him, right? Uh, whether it be in the play action game or whether it be you know l- like looking over here and showing this and coming back away from it. I think he's so aggressive and he's so instinctive that you have to try to use that to work against him. But um, I don't know that there's anybody on the Lions offensive line that's going to easily be able to block either of those two guys. They play the game at a real high level. And in terms of a linebacker tandem, they're as good as any in the Canadian Football League. Well said. Uh, we have a, we did have a couple of uh, submissions, and we promoted this on Instagram. Pick the best one here. A regular contributor, uh, mbooth83 on Instagram, wants to know, should we expect to see BC loading up the box to focus on shutting down Calgary's run game? And will the Stamps, again, be dropping eight or nine uh, to limit the passing game, something I think they did quite effectively a couple weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. I think in both cases, right? I I, I think that uh, BC is going to have to bring one more person into the box. Now, one of the things Calgary did in that game, they took a page out of Winnipeg's book, and they played with an extra offensive lineman regularly. So if they do that, then BC is going to have to bring one more guy down into the box, right? And they've certainly got the linebacker flexibility to do that, but how much are they compromising themselves in, in terms of their pass defense, and what are they willing to take chances on, right? So, um, but yeah, you have to. You, you've got to attach players. You've got to make sure that you flow properly and then you've got every gap properly assigned. So uh, I think you'll see BC do that. Um, and uh, as far as Calgary, yeah, I think that, you know, 
Vernon Adams has had some of his most successful games against Calgary and Brent Monson. And Brent did something, um, you know, out of character against Vernon in terms of dropping the number of guys in coverage. So I don't think he's going to do just that, right? Like you do have to adjust and evolve and, and he's got both in his package. So they're going to bring pressure from time to time and they're going to drop more often than not. Right. So Vernon's going to have to identify quickly and, and trust his eyes. Right. And he talks about that all the time and just, you know, when when you get nervous with Vernon is when he double clutches, right? So can Brent Monson get him to double and sometimes triple clutch? If that happens, that's not a good thing for the Lions, right? So he's got to be able to um, – they've got to find ways to scheme his first look and his first read. And if they can do that, then I think they can stay consistent offensively and uh, and move the ball down the field. But, you know, it is imperative that BC play from ahead. Uh, yeah. If they play from behind, I think there's going to be some problems. What about the special teams? Because uh, I know this was something last year at this time where people are saying it was quite distinctive advantage for Calgary. But this year, do you see that advantage for Calgary at all? Or is it even? Or where do you go there? A bit more even. A bit more even. You know, I, I think, um, you know, Mike Benavides has done a really good job with BC special teams, especially their coverage teams, right? They've been a thousand times better than they were last year. And when you look at Calgary, they haven't been as explosive in the return game, right? So Mark Killam is as good a special teams coordinator as there is in the league, does a great job. But that roster has been really, really young. And, you know, what they've prioritized in the draft in recent years is not necessarily been special teams bodies. It's been guys that could potentially plug and play in other spots, right? So it's been young. So they struggled early on. They've now kind of managed to make a knot in the rope and they're fine. They're not winning games for them. But earlier in the season, they were losing games for them. Terry Williams had like a two-game stretch there, you know, after the Ottawa game where all of a sudden he was getting some things done. But then the last couple of games, it's been quiet again with the return game. So, you know, for BC, don't take penalties in the return game, right? It'll just avoid the block in the back, right? Avoid the hold. Just that little extra you want to do, don't do it. And just take what you get and, you know, just – Terry Williams right now has shown he's only going to get what the return team gives him. And right now it's kind of been okay. So where the Lions and special teams have been good, the coverage teams have been good. Sean White's been incredible. But their return games have just been kind of meh. So, um, yeah, don't take penalties and you'll be okay. But, then you know, to, to get back to your first question, that big advantage that we thought coming into last year, I think it should be a saw-off in this year's special teams matchup. And while we have you still, uh, Hamilton, Montreal to kick off this dance in the East, another rematch, exact same standings from a year ago. Funny how that works, but how do you, how do you look at this Eastern semifinal far on? Well, the quarterback play in Hamilton, like, you know, I talk about BC's kind of regression defensively in the last few months and, you know, in Calgary, like it's been one game, right? The most improved team in the league in the last six weeks of the season has been the Hamilton Ticats. Um, I, I think they've shown some really, really good signs. You know, James Butler's a bigger piece of that team. Their defense is slowly starting to come together. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens at the quarterback position, right, whether it's going to be Matthew Schills or Bo Levi Mitchell or both. Uh, but if they can get solid quarterback play, I think they're trending to to do some good things here, right? And and look, no, I'm not saying Montreal is not good, right? I mean, when you look at um, – how much speed they have on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're a dangerous team. I think they've got some good pieces offensively with Phil Potts starting to, you know, round into form along with Austin Mack and some of the other things they've found in the receiving core. So I think it should be a really entertaining game. Uh, we haven't always said that about Eastern playoff games, but I think this one should be. Um, but if Hamilton's quarterback play is what I think it is, like if it was me, I would start Matthew Schills. Not going to lie. Uh, knowing you could bring Bo off the bench and he could see the game and still be really good. 
I, I would. I, I just I love what I've seen from Matthew Schultz in the last couple of games that he's played. Um, I, I would take Hamilton in that game, but it'll be a really good one. It'll be a close one, much like the one's going to be here at BC Place. I'll tell you what, I'm sure our guy Shinetti will be on the ground reporting all the quarterback reps in Hamilton. Uh, he does a fine job. You all do fine jobs. And, uh, yeah, I think we all agree that uh, we love this time of year. You, you almost had Claire here for sidelines. You were lobbying for that, weren't you? I just, you know, put some feelers out there. She, yeah, she thought she was coming. I don't know. I must have got her hopes up. I don't know. Um, I'll tell uh, you what. I'm a when she showed, I'm except on play-by-play because you know, I like I had, I had a good run of every time I did a Lions game, they won, and then the Winnipeg Calgary games, they lost, right? So get exactly. back in the sidelines, and I think you'll you'll be in good shape. Get back to your regular spot. I, I, what I was about to say was Claire's lone game here this year was the Ottawa comeback. So maybe that's uh, did she do that game? Yeah. Okay. I know she did the Saskatchewan game when I was away too. Then Blake did the Blake did the other two play by plays he did, right? So yeah, yeah, it started with Claire and then went to so so Blake Blake Price is winless. He's he's done. So all right, my friend. Uh we'll see you this week. Hey, one of these guys, you gotta invite me when you guys go to the bar, right? I know Mo just kind of put me on the kibosh list for that, but you know, season's not over yet. Once you're on the Serbian no fly list, it's hard, I know. Well, we'll be at the Shark Club Thursday night if you're hanging out downtown Thursday night. I doubt it. No. I, if you had the Shark Club out in Langley, I'd go. It's closer. There you go. Langley. Next time it's Langley, it's you. Deal. All right. See you guys. Thanks, bud. Always great catching up with uh, the dean of CFL sideline reporters, I'll call him, Farhan Lalji. Uh, we'll be seeing him throughout the week. Uh, he's got the Western semifinal 3.30 Saturday on the sidelines. And a lot of great uh, aspects to take from that. But I was interested in his thoughts on how it's going to be a coaching chess match. It's not something everyone talks about all the time. But yeah, Jordan Maximic done a great job uh, play calling and play designing, really, these last couple of years. And and Brett Monson in Calgary has developed himself into one of those top coordinators on the defense in this league. That's going to be fascinating. Yeah, and obviously touched on the the impact Mike Benavides has had on the, on the Lions special teams this year, right? It seems yeah. like any any new special teamer that hops in, whether it's Patrice Rene, uh, Ryder Varga, obviously, but even guys like Jack Hinsberger that come in and immediately start mm-hmm. making plays, you know, sound gaps, all of that, right? Um, so that's definitely been an important... Um, aspect of the Lions success this season right is improving that special teams play and it's something that you know playoff time it's every game's a game seven so you have to really unload your entire clip right and I don't know like whether it's whatever kind of plays you design up uh to just try and get that extra little edge is, is something that, that that's all coaches right that that have to do that it's the Lions and the Stampeders uh, for the right to go to Winnipeg in the Western semifinals Saturday, November 11th. That would be, love the Saturdays, by the way. I know we've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, another gentleman we'll be talking with this week. I have a hunch we'll see him at the walkthrough practices on Friday at BC Place. Mark Stephen, uh, the longtime voice of the Calgary Stampeders, going on 30 years, I think. Uh, Great dedication uh, to sports broadcasting in the Canadian Football League. And we're going to talk with Mark. Uh, What are the Stampeders thinking after, dare we say, backing into the playoffs? Doesn't matter. They're in 18 straight years. More on that with Mark right now. 
And off to Calgary we go now. A friend of the program, Mark Stephen, voice of the Stampeders on uh, QR77 Radio. What is this year 30 for you, Mark? Not quite. Getting there, though. <laughs> it's a year 28. Good on you. I know um, one of the great things about uh, this league is uh, the people who cover it, the broadcasters and... Uh, we're lucky to have some good ones here. Moj, Julio, we've had Rick Ball, J. Paul McConnell uh, in the past. So, yeah, it's um, a lot of fun. I know all those guys well, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny. Let, let, let's let's start with that. Uh, I mean, uh, you've called a lot of uh, great Stampeders, Lions games, playoff games. Obviously, the Calgary wins is probably the answer, but what stood out to you uh, over that history of this rivalry? Well, first, uh, there have been a lot of games that, I mean, in many ways, uh, uh, the Lions have replaced kind of the Elks, Eskimos, as the uh, chief playoff rival. I mean, you know, let's just be blunt about it. Edmonton has not been a particularly significant factor for much of the last uh, recent years. So the Lions have stepped in. They've played an awful lot of playoff games in that time. They played Saskatchewan, too, but it seems there's more Lion v. Stampeder games than just about anything else over the last little while. Well, we talked to you, uh, and it's great history, no doubt, and uh, who knows what chapter will be will be written here on Saturday, but talked to you a couple weeks ago, and we were saying, well, hope to see you in two weeks, might see you in two weeks, and uh, here you are. Uh, uh, just uh, your thoughts on uh, how the way it transpired. Maybe they didn't get there the way they expected to get there, but the bottom line is uh, Calgary into the dance for an 18th straight year. How rejuvenated is this team now? Well, very much so. I mean, you know, they've not been playing very well for much of the season. It was very erratic, and no team knows that better than the Lions, who saw the Stampeders at their worst in August, then their best uh, just a couple of weeks ago when they played. But, you know, 6-12 and 12 is not great. Let's not kid anybody here. But, you know, and they also relied heavily on the generosity of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But that's not the Stampeders' issue. They did what they had to do. When they had to do it, they started to build momentum at the right time. So let's see how it plays out. But overall, it's not been a particularly satisfying regular season. Let's not kid anybody. The team is, you know, in the playoffs, but only barely with, you know, one of the worst playoff qualifying records in a long, long time. Yeah, and um, probably the, the most complete game they played all year was here at BC Place there on October 20th. I mean, how much do they take from that, Mark? I mean, uh, how much of a template can that be? for similar success. Oh, I think a lot. I think that, you know, like you say, they played really well. That's a game when all of the phases came together. Uh, they got the ground game going as it hadn't been running all year long. They got that going. They uh, also threw out a new defense, a 3-4, that seemed to catch the Lions a little off guard till they finally figured it out. And I, I think one area that the team has really improved in say, uh, you know, maybe in the month of October is their coverage units. Williams is a tremendous returner, but he didn't really have that big of an impact on the game. And I credit the Stampeders' vastly improved cover units for uh, really smothering him and other returners over the last few games here. So when it comes to the playoff game last year and this being the rematch of it, a lot of people were surprised that Calgary didn't put the ball more into Kadeem Carey's hands and, I mean, also Peyton Logan, but there's Tommy Stevens too as another X-factor. This time around, do you think it's going to be a little different where those guys are seeing more touches? 
Well, they, they've heard that comment a lot, I have to tell you, about what they didn't do in the playoff game. And uh, you're right. I mean, Kadeem Carey's had a, a very challenging year in the sense that he's been on and mostly off the roster due to injury. So it's time to get it going. Uh, Diedrich Mills has played very well. Peyton Logan's uh, going to be the returner. Tommy Lee Lewis is not going to come back for the game. So, yeah, I think it's time to get the ground game going, commit to it, and make it work. Because you're right, it certainly was an object of concern last year that one of the premier backs in the league really didn't have a big role in the game the the longer it went on with the receiving court too if it is going to be calgary doing damage through the air like reggie bagleton's obviously the number one guy the team mop nominee but after bagleton who do you see as maybe like an x factor to stepping up in that core well, I would say that uh, Trey Odoms-Dukes has been very effective as well. He's number two on the team, and uh, he, he's got sort of an inside bruising type guy. He's done a lot of that. The one guy that uh, can really take the top off as circumstances allow is Mark and Michelle. He's as fast as anybody in the league, and he's had some good success that way. And certainly, it'll be really important for the Lions to get, at least for the Stampeders, to get um, McDaniel back against, I'm sorry, uh, getting back Reggie Begleton for that game. And, uh, you know, without him, the passing attack just doesn't seem to work. You have to put different guys in different spots. So he's certainly a big factor uh, back in the game. Uh, the game last week against Winnipeg, well, didn't mean anything in the standings. Uh, the Stamps didn't execute very well. And that's a large part because of the absence of Begleton. Could see how you would uh, mention Markway McDaniel by mistake there, Mark. Two very similar. Yeah, I, I... I'll tell you what, it's not an accident because yeah. I just came back from a luncheon yeah. uh, with a bunch of the Stampede alumni and somebody said, asked me, hey, remember how we won that game? It's when McDaniel got in behind everybody on one of the first plays of the game and the Lions had to play catch-up. They'd never played catch-up all year. So that's 2012 you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2012 Western Final, I think you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the one Kevin Glenn found him. So we're just talking about that barely a couple of hours ago. So it's in my head. That's why. So. Yeah, the, the Kevin Glenn uh, game uh, is, that'll go down in, in lore, no doubt, uh, 2012. Anyway, shifting back toward uh, the present day, uh, Jake Mayer, um, I guess about a year and change since he was pretty much given the keys. Um how is how much has he developed over the year uh, last year? So what do you learned about him? Well, he is some of you know he's had some very good things that he's done, some not so good. You know, he's right up there in the yardage leaders. He's moved the ball well. He has a high completion percentage. Uh, you know, but his touchdown ratio is not great. Uh, the team this year seemed to find a brick wall uh, established in any stadium at about the 20-yard line. That's why Rennie Paredes was battling white all year for the most field goals kicked in a season. So I guess on balance, I'd have to give him a passing grade, no pun intended. But I would say there's certainly room for improvement because, you know, at the end of the line, he played every game and every, you know, almost every snap. And nobody else did that in the league this year. And his stats are good, but uh, I think they could be better. So I would, as I say, give him a passing grade, but there's work to be done and room to uh, grow next year. We've talked about the running game and uh, the receivers and, and the passing game. Uh, flipping it on the other side, uh, pretty solid linebacker duo in, in Cam Judge and, and Micah Awe. We, of course, know Micah quite well from when he first broke into this league as one of those unknown Americans uh, on the camp depth chart starting in 2017. And yeah, it turns out that guy's pretty good. But uh, what do you look at this uh, Stan Peters defense and what they have to do in order to be successful? 
Well, first you start out right. Micah Awe has been the centerpiece of the defense. He established a team record for tackles in a season. He was everywhere, but not too far behind was Ben Cam Judge, who ironically leads the team in interceptions, but he too has been flying all over the place. They're two of the centerpieces of the Stampeders. Judge was signed in the offseason as a priority, but I think they got way more out of Micah Awe than they anticipated. They actually had Silas Stewart penciled in as the number one linebacker, but he battled turf toe just about all season long only recently got on the roster so it opened the door for Awe and he stepped right in and did very well the uh, defensive line has been uh, good at times great at others uh, inside I think they got two of the best Mike Rhodes with 11 sacks and Derek Wiggins uh, continual pest to other teams so they've done very well and Julian Howes there was a, a good pickup at one of the end spots uh, they certainly missed James Vodders who was the guy they signed in the offseason only played five Five games and the secondary one thing that's working is they've actually started to stabilize it they've had multiple injuries in fact you look on the six game list there's a whole other secondary there so it, it has been an issue but it, it's stabilizing now and i think is playing well over here we we talk a lot about the lions receivers and all the weapons where they're you know hatcher hollands rhymes it goes on and on right do you see Calgary's uh, secondary now that you say if they're getting healthy? Do you see them up to the task of, of battling with those lines receivers? Well, they had better be because I think it's a terrific group of receivers. I agree. You know, like Rhymes is as good as anybody. Uh, Holland's is good. Hatcher had a big season as well. So I, I and Katoy is just a, a bowl in a China shop out there. He's amazing to watch as well. So they had better. Uh, you know, it's a big physical crew and you know, I won't say they stopped them in the game because Hatcher didn't play a couple of weeks ago, but I think the Stampeders did quite well against them, and uh, that'll be the big challenge to slow down some of those big, uh, impressive receivers that they have. I'll double up on the on the flip side here when I ask about an X factor in that backfield because, you know, there's Trey Roberson still there, you know, maybe not once what he was when at his prime, but who do you see in that secondary kind of stepping up if if the Calgary gets it done? Well, one guy that's kind of come on down the stretch a little bit is Nick Taylor, he was a guy that uh, Winnipeg let go in the offseason because of a serious injury, uh, but he worked his way back, worked his way back, got into the rotation, then has moved in to be a starter, and he's an older player, but a lot of veteran leadership back there. He's had to play a, a couple of positions due to injuries, so I think he's an X-factor. Is he absolutely uh, the most gifted player on the team? Probably not, but his combination of experience, savvy, and intelligence makes him, I guess I would say, kind of an X factor back there we'll see how they line up and who he's going to draw but he's comfortable taking on any assignment I mean he's a little on the smaller side but that doesn't seem to bother him too much yeah uh definitely um definitely a lot of great aspects of this matchup but uh you know is there is there an area you look at Mark uh, for I guess from a Calgary perspective that they order that they must zero in on in order to be successful well, do establish the ground game. That's one thing that we did talk about. Uh, steer clear of penalties, which they've largely done. They've been pretty good at steering away from turnovers. They end up on the, the plus side of that by a pretty good margin there. Um, you know, they're going to have to establish the game and get ahead as well. Uh, they play better, as most teams do with the lead. That's something they haven't done a lot of. Uh, feature Reggie Begleton, who's really Mr. Second Down in the league when they need a second down conversion. So I think if they do those things and continue the strong play of the cover units, they'll give the uh, Lions a handful for sure. You've got me wanting to go down a 2012 rabbit hole now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Remember, Nick Lewis wasn't uh, 
wasn't quite the same impact player at that stage for Calgary, but I do remember he recovered the onside kick at the end of that game. I yeah, think that's right. I do remember. Yeah. yeah. You were, you, you were like in kindergarten back then. So. Not at all. <laughs> I, I, I'll drop a name. That was a Maurice Price game, right? Too. He yeah. Had a big, he had a big night. Yep. Yeah. 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 There you go. I, I know. My my uh my 2000 2010s I'm pretty good with CFL but before that I'm learning cuz I remember know. um we mentioned the McDaniel there was a blown coverage in the Lions secondary first or second play of the game first play yeah and then so okay here we go but then Corey Banks had a pick six for the Lions so it's like okay you know overcome that bad start but it was just Dave Dickinson called a great that was his first year as OC I think right so yeah, he he called a great game. I do remember that, and again, they, that just goes to show you that Lions team, thirteen and five, arguably better than they were in twenty eleven. But one game, anything can happen, right? So, well, that's just it. Uh, you know, through the years, the Stampeders have upset teams, but been upset. I mean, uh, let's go back fifteen two and one team lost the Grey Cup to an eight nine and one Ottawa team. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, seventeen they lost to a nine and nine Argo team in the two thousand and seventeen Grey Cup. But you know they have created other upsets as well. Uh, uh, in two thousand and one they followed the Lions' lead of the year before and won the Grey Cup with an eight and ten record. So you know it, it is one game uh, unlike hockey where generally because there's seven cracks at it the best team wins. It's not the case in football. And uh, you know going back to that two thousand and twelve game I think the deciding factor was the Lions had been so good all year they hadn't had to play very often from behind and uh, uh, that that was a bit of a challenge for them so that's one of the things that won the game yeah and that whole other issue of not having much to play for for a few weeks right because I think they had clinched first place uh, with two or three weeks to go for sure so it's that's that old debate I mean it's a good position it's a good problem to have but you know, the bottom line is come November, you're playing a team that's been in playoff mode that uh, can be a disadvantage sometimes. But anyway, Mark, uh, we're just thrilled uh, to talk about another one of these with you. And uh, I suppose we'll see you as early as Friday there uh, at practice. I'll be there Friday at DC Place, uh, speaking to the Lions, getting the latest on what they do. And I think I'm going to have to change my driver's license. This is the fourth trip to Vancouver this year, preseason. Yeah. Two regular season at this one as well. So, well, it's <laughs> the way it it's, works out. I don't think I've ever seen that, but so be it. That's the way it is. And uh, no place I'd rather go than Vancouver. So. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, preseason, you sort of forget about after, but I was going through some photos. Yeah, the, we wore the Lions wore the fog grays and Calgary was in red. That I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Kieran Burnham walk off field goal. Kieran Burnham walk, yeah. Former Lion and Stampeder now, right? Yes. Um, well, yeah, I put the preseason in the background pretty quick. So congratulations for pulling that out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I'm saying. I forgot all about the gray uniforms and the, yeah. So, all right, my friend, uh, have a good week and uh, we appreciate you joining. Very much so. And really looking forward to it. I just love the atmosphere that's uh, been created the last couple of years in Vancouver. And I anticipate a pretty noisy, passionate crowd. And that should make for a real fun afternoon. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Mark Steven, uh, love talking football with him, a friend of the program. And uh, yeah, 18 straight years uh, in the playoffs, Nick. And that's something we enjoyed here. We had a 20-year streak going from 97 to 2016, uh, 20 straight years in. And uh, it's a reminder, though, uh, cherish it while you can because nothing lasts forever. And it looked like that Calgary streak was in trouble. Uh, Three, four weeks ago, it was like, okay, Saskatchewan's magic number is one here to clinch third spot, but 
ultimately, uh, you have to credit Calgary. They won a couple big games that they had to, including against the Lions and against the Riders the week before that. That really put the pressure on. So, love it. And uh, first and now, uh, we're here for a few more minutes. I've gone a little heavy this week. That was by design. It's a big week after all. We hope to do something similar one week from now. Close. And yeah, two one week at a time, but yeah, two weeks from now. Wouldn't that be great? Um, let's close things off. Uh, later this week, they're going to announce uh, the division finalists for the Outstanding Player Awards, but um, we're going to talk about each Lions team winner that was announced and voted on last week, starting with most outstanding player. Uh, Nick, this was a no-brainer. Vernon Adams Jr., CFL passing yards leader. You said it earlier. He um, he would have had 6,000 probably if he stayed healthy. Nice feather in the cap for Vernon. Yeah, incredibly deserving. Uh, it's a shame that it wasn't even higher production from Vernon, but definitely a, a deserving nominee for most outstanding player. And then um, across the league to the West, you know, Brady Oliveira, that's kind of, that's what kind of everyone had, everyone, people was talking about, you know, not being Zach Calaris, but being Brady, the running back in Winnipeg for, for their team nominee. I mean, Larry Dean gets the nominee for Saskatchewan, a 35 year old linebacker who has suffered several serious injuries and had to bounce back from that. Reggie Bagleton, who we talked about, uh, for Calgary. So, and then I think it's safe to say Chad Kelly's going to be the East representative for, um, yeah. for, for the East division, but um, just a hunch. Yeah, and then I think for the West, it's Brady and Vernon both have good cases, right? I would say, and we'll we'll see what happens. But have a hunch, it's going to be one of those two, definitely both. Uh, very deserving, uh, defensive and Canadian. Uh, we'll kind of, we'll go quickly through these. I don't know if we have to list every one on every team, but focus on these Lions, of course. Uh, no surprise here. Matthew Betts gets the double dip, defense and Canadian. Uh, record-setting year in the sack department. Uh, was a major force, easily his best year as a pro. Led all the defensive linemen in tackles, I believe, with uh, 21. Um, yeah, defense, I think, bets uh, should have the inside track here. Uh, I know Micah Alway had a pretty good season uh, in Calgary, and you mentioned Larry Dean earlier, but um, yeah, great honor for bets. Yeah, when you break records, for, I think it goes without saying that you should be the team's nominee, and it helps that he has a Canadian passport too, obviously being eligible to be the MOC as well. But yeah, for MODP, I, you got to like bets to come out of the West, if not be the front runner in, entirely in the league. I, there's I, Darius Pickett's one name in Toronto that stands out, and then the Canadian, he has to go against Brady Oliveira again too. Uh, Cam Judge is Calgary's nominee. Stavros Katzentonis out in Hamilton in the East had a fantastic season. Marc Antoine Decois, the other safety there. So, um, but yeah, I think I think Bet should be at least the front runner for MODP. Yep, uh, have to think so. And uh, again, we'll get these results uh, later to midweek. Offensive lineman uh, Jarrell Brocks and yeah, left tackles uh, an important one. You're you're protecting the quarterback's blind side, and I think of the four times the Lions' offensive line had the weekly honor roll. I think every time Brockson was the highest graded individual lineman. So, props to Jarrell here for sure. And I think you talk to the offensive line gurus around the CFL; they'll say they'll they'll say yeah, Brockson has been a star out West for the Lions and well-deserving of the team nominee. Um, Jamarcus Hardrick in Winnipeg is a name he's probably going to be going against to get the to get the division uh, nod. It was not Stanley Bryant this year, but Hardrick, the other the other veteran in Winnipeg. And then Dejon Allen's a name that I, I see people talking about all the time, and that's a Toronto's uh, right tackle. 
about his play and how he's kind of maybe becoming almost a new Stanley Bryant in terms of being that kind of automatic nominee for his uh, for his club. So more deserving candidates there. Special teams, uh, no-brainer from a Lion perspective. I know Terry yeah. Williams had a couple of big games. We talked about that with Farhan, but Sean White, uh, 50 field goals and just clutch. Uh, game-winning field goals, uh, highest field goal percentage, I think, in the CFL. Just a clutch individual. Uh, there's going to be some s- stiff competition, even if Sean gets the nomination. Uh, Javon Leak in Toronto <laughs> certainly has a case. I know Dandridge in Ottawa, Joseph Zima in Montreal, uh, McAllister with Hamilton had a great year. All deserving guys, but... I think it's safe to say Sean White and Javon Leak are on a collision course. They better be. <laughs> yeah. Sean White, one of the greatest. I, I've seen chatter about White's season being one of the greatest all time when it comes to field goal kicking. Um, and yeah, just the automatic three points whenever he heads out there and an automatic one point when he goes out for a PAT. Um, he's, uh, as we, I think you would know by now, he's such a great, uh, funny individual, but also someone who's also extremely dedicated to his craft. So awesome to see him get at least the team nomination and I'm, I'm hoping he gets the league nomination too. A player we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit for your Lions linebacker slash special teams demon as Moj would say. Yeah. Ryder Varga gets the nod for most outstanding rookie. Lot of, some few exciting rookies this year. I mean Taylor Powell in Hamilton well, we know what he he did. Dustin Crum in Ottawa. Very very impressive and um, but, you know, I, I like Ryder Varga as the Lions' choice. Yeah, definitely. Led the team in special teams tackles this season. And then, yeah, a lot of DBs for these for these rookies. Uh, Quantes Stiggers is a name in Toronto who seems like down the stretch he was getting an interception every game and really elevated his play for the Argos. I think he's one of the youngest players in the entire CFL too. So he's definitely a name to watch. Uh, Reggie Stubblefield's a name that I kind of started discovering throughout the years. Montreal, Sam Linebacker. And then you got a couple punters too, which is that's uh, gotta love it in the CFL when a couple punters are are nominated for some awards. Yeah, punters, uh, field position, they're that's, people too. That's all important. Yeah, Flintoff will remind you they're people too. All right, congratulations to all the award winners. Uh, as we wrap things up here, uh, we covered a lot of ground today. This was great. Uh, BC Lions, Calgary Stampeders, uh, rumblings that we might have an upper bowl announcement in in the coming days, maybe by the time you've downloaded and listened to this podcast. So act now. Tickets moving fast. $30 for adults, uh, 15 for kids 17 and under. Our backyard brunch, we're calling it, uh, Saturday gets going at noon. And get a load of this. Uh, you're going to have a, a food menu featuring the likes of sausage and egg sandwiches, buttermilk pancakes um, with blueberries and whipped cream and maple syrup and i might have to skip breakfast and just do this pancakes breakfast sandwiches burgers hot dogs if lunch is your thing it is brunch after all five dollar coors lights and other molson coors products on the menu uh, the party starts at 12 six dollar mimosas so it's going to be a party um gonna have some fun can't wait yeah the breakfast theme is that's a classic so many brilliant options. Yeah. Mimosas too, I see there. Yeah. It's, yeah. So anything, anything you want, they got. Yeah. Might have to go just hang out outside and uh, and <laughs> blow off some of the pregame duties, but I oh, can't do that. Maybe we'll have someone deliver it to us. Love it. Um, thank you uh, to the listener, uh, the fans. Love these great fans. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review. First and now, the official Lions podcast, Moj and Julio, 2.30 pregame on Saturday, AM 7.30. Reminder, BC Lions on tap hits the Shark Club downtown Vancouver just 
around the corner there from BC Place. Uh, we'll be there uh, 8 o'clock on AM 730. Subscribe to the Lions Audio Network uh, to get the BC Lions on tap radio show to your podcast platform of choice. And we're fired up on First and Now. Thank you, Nikki. Can't wait.